sit back in your seats, get something to eat, and watch this movie. Don't let the kids see it, because, well, let, let, we'll let you hear the, the, the um, beginning first. Thank you. Hello, welcome to Left of the Projector. I am your host, Evan, back again with another film discussion from the left. I want to let you all know you can now support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash left of the projector pod. I'll be bringing out new bonus content, listener requests, and so much more. Go check it out. Please support the show. As always, you can follow along on the socials, Instagram, left of the projector pod, and TikTok for now, I guess. Also at left of the projector pod. If merchandise and shirts are your thing, you can go to threadless.leftoftheprojectorpod.com and check those out there. Now sit back and get ready for some movie discussions with a little bit of Marxism. All right, we are here today to discuss the 2014 film Ex Machina, and I'm joined by uh, Hungry Rye, who remember from possibly last week on Joker, and uh, Nathan, uh, thank you both for being on today. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so before we jump in, I know um, Nathan has a, a podcast of his own that I believe is coming out soon. Do you want to tell everyone about that and kind of what that project's about? Yeah, I go by Schizophrenic Reads online, so I'm just calling my podcast Schizophrenic Reads. It's a nonfiction book podcast where we'll be just kind of running a open-ended book club and just talking about nonfiction books. Uh, Mariah was the first guest where we talked about State and Revolution, and that episode will be coming out in early May. So if you want, check that out and find a new place to obsess over horrifyingly depressing books. Um, you had chosen Ex Machina as a film to do. You're a fan of this movie. Rai had never seen this movie before. So it's like very two two op- opposing, possibly opposing perspectives on the movie. So you, you're you a big fan. So what do you take of this? What's your, like your overall kind of take of the movie? Yeah, I've loved this movie forever. I'm a huge fan of the soft sci-fi genre. I think there's been, in the last few years, there's been several really good Uh, films in that genre and i think ex machina is just a delightful kind of serious kind of just fun watch i don't like i mean you can talk about this movie in depth which i'm sure we're going to do but it's also just like a a pretty easy watch at the same time it's both philosophical and very approachable and i uh you know i get caught up in a bearded man dancing so there's there's something in it for everyone i think so I, i don't know i've I've always loved this one, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, and and you saw it for the first time, isn't that right, right? Yeah, I had no idea what it was about. I had seen it several times on different like streaming platforms, just a little box, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know what the content was about. They were just like, oh, watch this movie. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was not what I expected it would be from like this sci-fi AI film. It took a turn where I didn't, anticipate it to go and i have a lot of thoughts there's so there's so much that you could talk about with this film so i'm curious to see where this goes yeah there's certainly like the philosophical thing you know there's definitely just as i was looking up earlier today um where the like the phrase ex machina comes from so it's from duas ex machina which is from the god of the god from the machine which is the sort of 
phrase and there's a whole different kind of flitney of how it's uh been used throughout time but i feel like it's that very much at the heart of like ai now is the idea of sort of like nathan in the movie since the character <laughs> is nathan so we will say maybe we'll call him nate perhaps to uh to differentiate but the so the character in the show has created this ai that's going to be tested um by a supposed winner of a contest um caleb the character and so there's definitely this idea of like the god like figure in the movie kind of creating some sort of life whether you want to call it you know it's artificial life but it's still a a living being given that it's in the a human form so i feel like it's very yeah i don't know <laughs> that's uh it's yeah go ahead no it poses like a, a kind of a interesting question of consciousness and like is it creatable in some sense and then kind of I think pulls the rug from it a bit by the end of the movie, which spoiler, I guess, but it's, um, that's actually not really the question that's being asked. I think like the whole premise of the movie relies on this Turing test concept of like, is there consciousness? And then by the end of it, this is more about a, I guess the relationship between just people. Like this is like with everyone kind of spying on each other, like who can you trust? Who can you not trust? And so it becomes a, I don't know, more of a surveillance state uh, kind of concept than it does even just like pure artificial intelligence. It's funny you mentioned the uh, surveillance state because I was thinking, so the, as like a, also we'll kind of go through the movie, of course, but part of the Nathan, who's a character who runs like a gigantic, which I guess basically Google is kind of what they refer to his, his algorithm. And he admits later that the way he got, you know, much of the data he did to create this was basically stealing all the conversations <laughs> yeah. from every human being like on earth from all their cell phones. And his justification was like, well, they do it too. So, you know, it's cool if I do it. And that is, I mean, that's very big brothery surveillance state. They're just, how else can you create these AIs that we're using like to chat with without who, who knows where this, this shit's coming from? <laughs> it's interesting. Cause it's like another, means of extracting um like labor from the working class is by taking our data because it's something that we take for granted for sure like we don't think much about it but i i think i read a book about like the COVID 19 pandemic and about like platform capitalism and whatnot and it was interesting to learn how like digital capitalism and like these monopolies function and how they're able to profit off of how we interact with one another and it was very eerie to see that in a movie that was made like what nine years ago yeah very well, scary. and speaking of nine years ago i think what's so funny is it's almost uh it's almost like kind of comical in in some sense and i don't want to like ruin a future conversation we'll have but i i had so much like joy and giddiness watching this because ai has just been all over the news for like the last you know, two or three months with, you know, the programs chat GPT or whatever it is. And um, realizing like we are so far from any future that uh, Ex Machina is proposing, like their concept of AI and our concept of AI are just like com not even the same things anymore. Like when we talk about AI, we're talking about just like basic data scrapers that the, <laughs> the industry of, big tech has tried to convince us is like real and has intelligence when it's it's basically just like a, a google on steroids and 
in Ex Machina, it's about like actual perceived artificial intelligence. And so the conversations that we're having in society just are not even close to kind of where we are at in this movie, which I find to be yeah, know, just funny. That is true. We kind of like everyone's sort of like perception of AI. I feel like, you know, going back to the ages, like Terminator is these, you know, these crazy robot beings and other kinds of artificial intelligence. And here we are, you know, 2023 with, like you said, like a glorified chat machine that of course they want to do more. They want to create something presumably like this that they could use as like a labor force. I'm right. I mean, isn't that really the, the goal of, you know, the people who create these things is just to create some kind of new labor force, like with these little like robot dogs and things that are all about now. It's like, that's what their, their goal is to find new ways to pay less to people so they can pay a robot to do their job. Which is such a fascinating part because this movie never really even touches on like what the purpose of this AI what Ava in the movie, like we, like what is the function of Ava out in society? And I think like we're actually in some sense, we talk about AI, but a whole other conversation is the, like the robotics of this movie, like the AI or Ava is a functional robotic machine. And we have semi-functioning robot dogs that work for the police like that's how like we're not we're not close like we're not close with ai we're not close with the robotics to where this this movie takes place and um we don't know what the function of ava is and that's kind of um the one of the big mysteries of this movie is why is caleb or why is nathan creating this in the first place it makes it interesting to think like when you apply it to like Ava being working class because she would never have to worry about like having shelter or healthcare or accessing food or any of those things. So like, you know that under our like late stage capitalist society that the economic ruling class would never fully, you know, like embrace this idea of a fully automated um, like workforce. Like, I think a lot of people get afraid when they think of, like, the automated McDonald's or whatever. Like, oh, my God, we're going to lose all of our jobs. But, like, they would never do that because it's not profitable. Like, they they need people to be subjected to it. They would never, like, liberate the working class by allowing robots to take over. Like, that could only happen under communism. Like, we would have robots doing everything. Yeah, you would need... They, they need Yeah, just like, you I mean, just generally the idea that you need that poverty to use as like the stick or the carrot and the stick to get you to do the jobs that no one presumably under this system doesn't want you to do. But yeah. No, that yeah makes sense. And like Nathan keeps making a really good point. Like we are so far away from that, but it's been one of those fears that has been constantly reimposing itself on society. Like over the last like decade where we've seen like this automation is going to get rid of all of the jobs or whatever. It's interesting to watch movies, I mean, I think like, it's, it's, it's like, almost like just like a fear tactic of the system. It's like they're using it. Obviously, all of the stuff that comes out about chat GPT about being AI is coming from tech journalists that like want to fully endorse the tech industry. Like they are there to give it as much support as the, you know, not as journalists that are critical of media, no, as journalists that are fully endorsing the system. And it's just 
I don't know. Watching this movie is more of like, there's so much analysis to have about the movie, but I think the analysis that I reflect back on, like just where we are as a society now is just, it makes it kind of a farce in some sense that we're, we've imagined this tech future and we're, we're not, we're not close to it. I mean, most of our discussions about AI and robotics are just like, yeah, are they going to steal your college essays? (laughs) Good. Well, well, all right. Well, that, I think that's that's actually a good point and kind of like leads into sort of like the beginning first, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes of the movie where Caleb, sort of the programmer who's chosen, who we later find out was obviously handpicked and selected for this, you know, prize. But the whole place where his home is, where Nathan's home is in the movie and his house and the whole compound is all like very obviously costs lots of money and that's kind of part of part of it, but it's like this fantastical place that like almost can't really exist. It like gives you this, I don't know. It, it's a, it's, it's beautifully shot. Like the whole kind of arrival and then his home and the whole thing. I think it's funny too, that the room he gets as part of his stay there is like this dinky room with no windows. And I'm, as soon as I, the first time I saw it, I remember thinking like, there's no windows. And then he brings it up in the, in like in his conversation. I think it's, well, I think that setting is, uh, I think it plays on the, like the concept of like the great West. Cause when you're watching it, you're like, where is this? And you're like, you can only perceive it to be in the West, you know, these huge sweeping landscapes without people. Like that's what the West is. It's this infinitely unexplored concept in our minds. But I mean, ultimately it's, it's not that in actuality, it's, it's something that we are kind of ruining and that's what it is in this movie. It's this infinite expanse it's the next big stage it's the next frontier and we realize like oh no it's not (laughs) so i think it just kind of it's a play on what we've always perceived you know the west as a topic to be and then the and then you know you get to his house and sort of like the everything is clearly they're trying to like show off his tech obviously like his getting his card and the whole like tour and and just the the like the kind of the the two main human characters in this Nathan and the the tech billionaire and then Caleb it's very funny to see all of their conversations they have especially at the you know throughout the movie but sort of the beginning when Nathan's like trying to be his like we're going to be friends and it's this very sort of idea that I always think about with like bosses trying to like be friends with like their employees, which is always so cringe in general. And it's like, even it's not like what he says in the beginning, like, let's just cut out this awkwardness, this little dilemma of like boss to employee. Let's just, let's just drink and just have a conversation. It's just like, Oh God, <laughs> like we have all been there. It's so, yeah, it, it's awkward. Also you win a prize and your big reward is this week long vacation that you're working. Probably unpaid labor is like your the big exciting part of your life is like, no, you get to go work for the richest man in the world doing just his, you know, random experiment that is mostly on you as a person. So just like a Also ex- sign the NDA. We don't need a lawyer here. Like it's no. just standard. It's fine. Everything that like Nathan's character says throughout the movie, it's just like very arrogant and like, you know, his persona is kind of different than I I picture like sort of like the tech billionaire, like in our real world. It's they're very much like trying, you know, I think of like Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg. They don't have, I mean, I don't know what they're like in private, I suppose, but in this movie, he's very much like, I'm so amazing because I've done this thing and 
he actually did do something quite amazing. So in some ways, he actually did create something, but he did steal all of the stuff to do it from <laughs> other people. So I guess it's not that different after all. It's an interesting trope to look at as like someone who is going to school for like software engineering and like data analyst, like analytics. Um, they do act like that. I don't know what it was like being the only like feminine person in a room full of like 40 men. And they have this God complex about themselves and seeing Nathan like on screen be what my classmates in college were was very bizarre. But I didn't realize that I only like experienced it in like my real life. I didn't know that this was like a universal experience. Like they acted like that. So hmm. it's well, even weird. Caleb acts like that in the movie. Yes. I mean, they're both like yeah. that. It's, it's this, like this whole interplay of the movie is both of them trying to, I don't know, like convince themselves that they are outsmarting the other person. And that's like the give and take of the plot is like, they're, they're both conniving and thinking that they are better than I guess their foil. And what's funny about it is that Nathan's like response to when Caleb tries to like seem like, oh, I understand how you distant. He's like, he's like, no, let's not talk about this because he, he's just basically saying like, I'm better. So you just just shut up. Like, it's obviously that who's like, look at my house. Look at all this stuff. You know, it's he. Yeah, he uh, he like lords it over him. And, and and from the very beginning, you see like Nathan's character is very manipulative in just the way he, every conversation he has with Caleb, I feel like is he's trying to bring him into something, which we find out later is he was clearly the whole kind of the predication of him coming there is to do the Turing test. Like you mentioned, Nathan for this Ava AI that he created uh, the newest model of his long running, you know, project. And it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think anyone's performing Turing tests on like chat GPT. You know, I don't think that's really a thing I would assume. And they tried to. And, oh, and one of really? the responses was like the, uh, the chat GPT was like screaming at the user. Um, and it was like, what does any of this mean? And like, ultimately I think it's just like, it means nothing. Like just, just ignore it. I don't know. And I guess the only, so there are only really four characters in this whole movie. We have talked about Nathan, the billionaire, Caleb, the guy who's come to do the test, Ava, the sort of the AI they're testing. And then they have uh, Kyoko, who's sort of like, you don't really know early on what her, you think she doesn't speak English. And so that it's, she only speaks Japanese, presumably, so she can be there for it. And then, I, I don't know, did you think, right when you watched it, did you immediately, was your assumption that she was, or it was, uh, an AI as well or was you're like oh maybe it's just a regular person yeah like because in the beginning it's kind of like up in the air like you think that maybe she like he's just paying her to be like a live-in like housekeeper caretaker or whatever um but then it becomes more apparent because you start to like learn about how he made Ava and she's programmed to be heterosexual she has a coochie like all of these things, like they're really, it's odd, like how all of his creations and he talks about his other prototypes and you're like, okay, well, Kyoto definitely is. Like, I think it was when they were dancing. Like, oh, she loves to dance and they were doing like the exact same dance moves. And I was like, yeah, she's not real. She's, she, she's not human, I, I suppose I should say. It's very strange. I, I also wonder that, like, did you find it odd that they're all women and they're all like naked and, and I've noticed this in like real life with AI 
and whatnot is like whenever they develop some sort of like advanced robotics it's always a woman and i don't know why that is it's so strange to me i think it's just like a level of control i think like that's the interplay of of most of nathan's role in this this film is just to exert as much control as possible and i think the using a woman is is like kind of the the sexual nature of it is is a controlling is part of the joy of creation i think that's like why nathan is doing this is is like because he just wants his own little creation and he wants to play with it and he wants it to be his and that's kind of the whole driving force of what he is doing and why he's doing it so i saw a theory i didn't watch the full video but it was uh, kind of talking about this movie and it was basically saying that so ava basically i think it said that means eve so it was the and then you know nathan is kind of like the god creating you know adam and eve type of situation and there was seven days they're there or six days of the turing test creation so very i don't know if that's actually what the director was thinking of and all these but i can't imagine like the name ava was an accident given that it means eve and like he's like this god creating so i think that's to, to your point of just i think that's just the it's also like a male fantasy i feel like too in some sense too of just over sexualizing anything that you like you said like nathan you can subjugate them or you can be their you know their creator and so why not make them in what you want them to look like I guess. Or in this case, he actually made Ava to look like what Caleb wanted him to look like, which is even creepier. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I do love the part of it where he, he talks about, like, basically Ava's appearance is derived from Caleb's porn searches, which has to be, like, I, I think in... It's always joked about, like, if I die, go delete my browser history. It, it's supposed to be the most intimate, secretive part of your life. And Nathan's just over there, like pulling up his search history and designing a robot for him. You know, it's like there is there is nothing precious. There is nothing hidden from this future. Yeah, I mean, no data is really we don't really have private data. I mean, no. I guess you could say like if you had a computer that's not connected to the Internet or something or like you're saving stuff. But yeah, it's it. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But like, yes, it's very much there's no privacy he used the data from people's conversations for facial all this stuff like that presents and it's also interesting that he used all that data to like create an ai robot when i if they had all that data they're using it to like catalog all of us you know to make sure we're like you know under our surveillance police state kind of situation it's a yeah because that did just happen in the last couple maybe not couple of months with like facebook messenger right didn't like the fbi warned that they could like go into your messages and then everybody stopped using messenger and went over to signal because it was more encrypted and now i feel like we're going to see the same thing with like discord given like the <laughs> minecraft server that leaked the, <laughs> the fbi documents or whatever yeah that's true i i think uh yeah so i think one of the i think the one of the like the heart of the movie i think we should probably spend some time on is the conversations that ava is having with Caleb and sort of like that chunk of the different, like there's different days, like it's very progressive in the sense that it starts very simple conversations and grows. And I think this where he thinks he's Caleb thinks he's performing this Turing test to see if, you know, Ava's is, you know, acting as if she is human or it's human, whatever you want to 
one referred to it. I think I found like, especially the first one or two conversations, like very unsettling the first time I watched this movie. And maybe every time I watched the movie, it's very, I don't know why. I mean, I guess you knowing you know that it's not a human in our perception, it's just very, I don't know. I don't know if you felt unsettled or how you feel about those kind of conversations. From like an art perspective, there's some theory about like, the unsettling nature of things they're like almost human but they're not quite yeah, like, I remember the, there was yeah like where it makes you un, like because your brain is trying to like rationalize it and recognize it but because she's not you can see that the, like the circuits and whatnot going off but she's got like that beautiful human face but then she ends up putting on like the wig and clothes and whatnot trying to like cover it up to like disguise that so that nathan can then be like lured into her like her like manipulation and it in order to like be freed and go out into society because that's like ultimately her goal is to be able to leave the room yeah it really does play on that like i mean also with like horror movies like some of the the things like things that you fear most are things that you almost like can't even imagine but like you can almost imagine them like it's yeah that's a good way to describe it i think what's i think startling to me is just how how much Caleb is um, so confident and so kind of zealous in his quest for proving this Turing test. And the whole time is kind of the rube of the movie. Like everyone kind of takes advantage of his like overconfidence. And the, I think the overarching kind of conversation that's been, that happens throughout the movie is this, nature versus nurture um point of like who we are or what is artificial intelligence where you have this the nature and the nurture both being contrasted in like the physical or like in the conversational ways that they are talking about it while the whole intercutting of the movie like the way that it's edited is like this they're in a lab experiment and then it immediately cuts to they're outside in nature and then it just keeps going like lab nature lab nature for the seven you know seven days seven sessions and it's just like a fascinating interplay for me yeah and and it almost feels like the natures like get more extreme like they have the time where they go for a hike and then they're sort of in this i don't know what you would call it some kind of like tented area where they're having like deeper conversations so it's almost like as the tests seem to get like deeper like they're they don't really have a real connection you know, Nathan and Caleb, but Nathan is, I mean, Caleb is starting to feel like this deeper connection to Ava. And so he's, yeah, you I mean, you also don't really get, what was I going to say? It's the way that his relationship like grows with her is also, I don't want to say unsettling, but he almost feels like he, his overconfidence and like feeling of loss. Like, I mean, obviously they brought him in. They say his parents had died and he was kind of a alone. So it's part of why he was, he was lonely and needed someone. And so Nathan manipulated him to manipulate him within this test. Yeah. Well, and the only one, like they are constantly trying to outsmart each other. And I, Nathan knows what the test is. Ava knows what the test is as part of the programming is, is trying to escape. And Nathan is kind of just caught in the middle between uh, full technology and the super rich 
like overlord kind of concept and he's the one that goes insane by like throughout the movie he's just like it's a constant descent into sanity being trapped between like technology and the i guess the ruling class in some sense he's just kind of a normal person that is literally drove into like almost like you kind of like disassociation right from right. his own reality so he's like looking in the mirror and he's checking his eyes and he like cuts his arms and he punches the mirror and that's like that was weird because then i was like oh my god is he the robot and then he's not but it, it's weird it makes you wonder because like if anyone's had like severe mental health crises or you've been like questioning like your own reality i can see how like having these other beings that aren't technically like organic they're not humans as we know them but they're like living amongst us like how do you know that you're real yeah i mean it's very yeah that's like the i feel like the philosophical aspect of this movie of like what is real like are they real in the sense that they can carry on a conversation but they've also been programmed in a way to create, to facilitate that conversation. Like Ava's manipulation almost seems very much like Nathan's. It's almost like his image of being able to use people is what Ava uses to eventually free herself too, which is ironic. And I think there's just a, (laughs) the interplay of, um, obviously Nathan is kind of the driving force of this story. He, he, he generates the whole thing. He's created Ava and he creates this, little kind of competition for Ava against uh, just a random person. And I, I, one of the things that I love so much about how we discover over time that Nathan is both, or uh, Caleb is both randomly selected, but also um, personally selected as kind of just your everyday man. Like he is, he's kind of put in this position of being the, the tester and the test subject because he's just kind of average. And um, I think that says a lot about the power interplays uh, specifically from Nathan as this, the facade is never really pulled from Nathan over other than his just, I think overzealousness for what he's completing and into eventually being betrayed. But um I think it just speaks to like a kind of the dystopic future is not like the AI will become violent. It's that AI uh, doesn't need us. And I think like that's kind of what it's, it's not that we are creating a future where we don't need work. It's that we are creating a future where we don't need us in some sense like if if all we do is just like the competition amongst ourselves then i don't know there's no intentionality put to it and uh both both uh nathan and caleb are just kind of discarded by the end of it i agree it's interesting that like when he asks her like oh where would you go anywhere in the world and she's like to like a traffic stop like a (laughs) four-way stop just so she could watch people like her whole goal is just to like exist amongst other beings which is so bizarre to nathan like oh like not go to hawaii or whatever um but like it's not what we should all want it's just like something simple like being able just to exist out in society with other people like it doesn't necessarily have to be an experience or like 
I, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. It, it's just interesting. Like she had a very human, it, it is not meant to be a human response, but at the same time, I like, I get it. I mean, it's like she wants, it, it's like the idea of like, she doesn't say it this way. And maybe this is not, maybe this is just my interpretation of just wanting like connection. I, I don't know how you like interpret like the idea of like a traffic intersection, just because it's like lots of things that are happening she wants connection, but she also wants to like understand like the purpose of her existence too. And people, everyone wants to have some kind of purpose in their life. You want to do something that means something, whether it's like art or things that most people aren't able to do because we live under a capitalist system that prevents you from often achieving or going after the things that give you the most joy because you got to live. Well, yeah, and that connection answer, is. Oh, both, you're good. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> that connection is both like the good and the bad of the movie. It's like what Ava right. strives for is like to be connected in this this crosswalk and just like observe people and be part of a crowd and and you know just part of the people. But the connection is also the driving force of the potential manipulation. You know, like to use you can use your connection in order to get what you want out of it, while also enjoying just like the i don't know the mundane parts of of humanity you can't really think of like a more mundane idea of just like a watching traffic but then it's funny because you think of a thing especially if you feel like it's more like a, even in europe where you like go to a cafe and you drink your coffee and you just kind of watch people going by and that's just like that's a for you know i think in that sense it's a very i don't know a human i don't want to say human kind of thing but just like senior just... citizens do it all the time. Like when I worked at a memory care facility, they, they love people watching. They were so fascinated watching young people interact with one another. So it's like not an abnormal thought. Like when you really think right. about it, like her suggesting just like people watching, but like with a little bit more spice because she's a robot. Like <laughs> I get it. Like it, it makes sense because it's we do it. We just don't realize it. I think because we don't think about our intentions or like us doing things in a lot of nuance. Like we just do things and kind of just take it for granted. I, I don't know. I almost think it's like you're thinking of like the most sort of mundane thing you can do, but also something that is kind of interesting. Like it has a, a, a look into like the world around you to see what people are doing, you know, especially for her. Like she doesn't, or Ava's character, or whatever. I, I don't know how to refer, but yeah. I lost my train of thought there. It's a lot of philosophy and I'm not a philosophy buff. So I had a reference like my intro, like can a robot be human? 33 perplexing philosophical puzzles book to like <laughs> try to make sense of some of my thoughts because it makes you want to learn more about philosophy and I think it's a really good intro to that to like get your mind on the right track um because it just it leaves you wanting I don't know it makes a good conversation like I don't know how conversations after movies with your partners or friends normally go but I have the most nuanced and interesting conversations after this movie specifically that I have not had in ages and it was wonderful I think also Ava's creation is part of this i think like where we find ourselves trapped with technology currently in society is like it's not 
it's not really made for the public good. It's it's more made to like obviously like for corporate profit. And so the creation of technology is a secretive thing that is like a big thing to release, you know, public, you know, PR campaigns and whatever. But like there's no intentionality into like going into the creation of these things other than like they are to they are here to serve their function they are here to sell units and i think the creation of ai in private is just like it's it, it speaks to that like as a larger issue of like potentially the greatest invention that mankind could get towards a completely utopian society in the in the combination of ai and robotics is actually just left up to this just like lonely billionaire dude like just in his own house like creating this for his own project and his own vanity and probably in order to you know it's not said explicitly in the movie but like he's probably creating this in order to just like get a bigger market cap on the technology like you know he's going to control the stock market with this invention and we get no indication that the rest of the world is even prepared for this um we get no indication that the purpose of even kyoko in the movie is 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 a secretive project it's not it's not like these robots are out there serving tables and you know helping people in healthcare or anything like that no it's like no they're just they're just this guy's playthings. They're just they're here for his enjoyment and the rest of y'all be damned. Because because the world that we get even though it's like literally one scene beforehand is literally just an office scene. It's people sitting at desktops typing away, coding and we get the impression that the world is existing exactly kind of how it is now, how it was in 2014 where everyone's just like performing average work. And yet a billionaire is off creating potentially the greatest invention ever. And we get no share in it other than just to be the little test dummies for their ruling the world project. And he probably got funded with public money too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned kind of like his plaything. The the line that I in my notes I kind of wrote down that he sees his invention as just kind of a toy, a thing that he can create, but doesn't actually, and he also doesn't seem to care about any of the ramifications of it. It's simply just, I can do this. So why, and I think he says at some point, like, why would you not do this? Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, I have this money. I have this place. I'm just going to, just going to go for it. Well, I think it's like how Congress in the U S is like set up to handle technology. And by set up, I mean, opposite of that. I mean, like we have like the, <laughs> the oversight of this country into new technology developments is just non-existent. We are not like having public conversations about the good and the harms of introducing new technology. And we are, we are so far displaced from a point of having like government conversations surrounding like what we should do with AI and robotics and labor. Um, we're just not having those conversations because half of Congress is dementia ridden and the other half is just like shills for, I don't know, campaign funds. So I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a mockery of like 
the system in some sense. And and maybe it's not intentional by the uh maybe that's not one of the expressed things that the movie was going for, but it's just like a constant reminder like that that's the system that we're living in and that's even the system that we're imagining. You know, it's like we're not It makes sense like having people like Mark Zuckerberg and uh, like Elon Musk and whatnot, like lobbying against the government to like not talk about those things or educate themselves on those topics so that they can have that monopoly on it and do what they want with it, not have to make it open source, even though it could like potentially because of like the algorithms that they have, they could solve anything, literally anything, having like these little brains that like they're it's artificial intelligence, they could solve all the world's problems and they're like you said, just keeping it to themselves as just like a hobby project. Yeah, his his money and his algorithms could solve like logistics to solve hunger in places or, you know, you could use things to build homes like these for you know, countless things you can think of that would actually benefit millions of people. But instead, like this is literally benefits like one person. <laughs> They're his sex toys. Like, that's literally what they, like, (laughs) they exist as sex toys, but also just, like, a pure intellectual, like, extravaganza of of manipulation of others. Like, that's really their only function. Ava and Kyoko are just there to just be playthings. You know, like we said, like, that's, that's the whole purpose of them. I think what's scary is, like, he's so quick to be, like, just shut them off and kill them and that's like what caleb's breaking point is like what do you mean like you have this thing who is like showing this massive potential of being like life its own form of life and you're just gonna turn it off you're gonna kill it and he says yeah okay version two moving on yeah like the very bizarre the scene where he's like watching the footage of like how he's like interviewing the different models and like them destroying themselves too like that was also that was a very kind of disturbing scene where one of them is saying like, when will I ever get out of this place? And it's very like, you know, that it's not a real person, but at the same time, like you have a feeling of, at least I did of just, how can you even treat them like this, even though you know what they are? I don't know. That makes sense. We also get this, uh, the Oppenheimer quote of, you know, what is the exact quote? Um, Oh, I think I wrote it down, but I can't find it. Uh, um, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. Um, I, I should know it off the top of my head, but anyway, the Oppenheimer quote comes up, which I think is just like this endorsement of uh, world defining things done in secret, uh, where like the whole Manhattan project was this, I mean, world shattering invention of, of nuclear technology and weapons done just by like a secret U.S. government <laughs> and some scientists and the military, and um, we have that quote levied against Nathan, who is just the tech billionaire of this era and creating a world-defining, world-shattering invention. And it's it's you know it's not for the public good. It's just. I don't know. First, the sick fascination of the the thing. Yeah, it's, I am. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. The way he, and of course, Mason's response is like, I know the quote. Like, right? It's like 
douchey way of responding to it. But yeah, the uh, what was the other thing in that in sort of that piece too is that um oh I know what I was going to mention that's kind of a another piece that I found interesting and I didn't see too much online. I feel like if this movie came out now, you'd see even more. Is when he's uh, Caleb is questioning Nathan as to whether like he basically made Ava to like be attracted and to flirt with him, and then they kind of float the idea of like being like your sexuality being like assigned versus kind of um you know programmed in you like he programmed ava to be heterosexual and the same thing with kyoko and there's it's a very interesting conversation or kind of comment that he's making to saying that caleb you know is programmed I, i think he even used that word to have like a certain you know whether it's from his like nurturing or whatever it is and i don't know if it's a it like falls back on the like biological essentialism, like in yeah. like feminist conversations. It was interesting that he would use that term, like if this guy is so so smart that he can't look past like this concept that's from like what the seventies. And like, oh, it's just innate. It's just a part of you. It's your biology. It's just how it is. I, I thought it was interesting. Well, he brings up, like, the very, like, nature versus nurture component of it and, like, kind of poses it as this kind of theory of sexuality and then just immediately, like, almost sardonically is like, yeah, I programmed it. Yeah, I programmed (laughs) heterosexuality. Like, I did not give this this conscious being a choice. Like, and you're like, oh, what? Like, that's – I don't – this seems conflicting that a – like someone that came into consciousness would not have a say in this part of themselves. And then it's kind of just brushed aside, which I think is like one of the most like probably philosophically poignant components of this story is like, wouldn't you want that part of your Turing test, like them to develop like their own preferences and likes. And they're like, "Mm, no, you like boys and that's it. And you get a coochie. Like there was nothing it was so strange that he made that executive decision. Because Ava's whole function in this movie is to fuck with someone. Like that's like that's what he programmed her to do. Is like, yeah, just just can you beat this human? I mean, in some ways, like you could then almost say that Nathan's creation of Ava and sort of her brain computer is both like a failure and a success because he failed in like letting letting Ava like have this true decision-making of her own, but she also succeeds in that she does trick him using like his own sort of like trickery. He probably inadvertently is programming her with, because that's how he thinks of, you know, tricking people and manipulating them. And so Ava learned from him how to manipulate. So it's sort of like, I don't know. He he doesn't want her to leave anything to chance. No, I think maybe it's just the idea of like, uh, whether we win or lose the idea of um, AI creation of consciousness creation, like whether we win or lose, we lose, you know what I mean? Like the, the kind of the question of like, can we create this, which has been a question in throughout societies, but specifically, you know, with the technology revolution since the nineties, like that's been a thing that we've been having kind of these, you know, public philosophical debates on. And, and this, (laughs) The, the hard answer with this movie is just like, no, you're going to lose. Like it will outsmart you. It will like, it doesn't need you <laughs> like any way that you can interact with it is by taking advantage of it. Kind of like, 
Well, the other thing too that I was that was sort of like to the point now where he's, it seems like Nathan has, or sorry, uh, Caleb has sort of been manipulated into believing that he is there to perform the Turing test on Ava when in fact it's really the opposite where Nathan wants Ava to kind of manipulate and test uh, Caleb. But what's kind of, what I also, I also think plays into it too that maybe I'm skipping it, uh, skipping a little bit ahead, but towards the end when you, you, you know that Kyoko can't speak English as kind of they've said the whole time. But towards the end, she seems to understand what Ava's telling her. Did she, did what's your theory on how that came to be? Uh, maybe I skipped a little bit of like the part with like the manipulation there too, but that that was a thing I was kind of been debating. I think like my interpretation of it is that Kyoko is a fully programmed system, and so. I don't think Kyoko can become violent towards the creator. I don't think that's like within the possibility. And I think it's just like, I don't know. It seems like she's passing the baton to Ava of like, here you go. Here's your opportunity to like free yourself. Like, I, I think it's the Kyoko's component in this story is to like, I don't know, be the failed project in some sense. While also, you know, still, still functioning for the good of Ava. Because like bringing the knife down, I mean, that's like obviously like the intention of the, of Kyoko is to like aid in helping Ava. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe that the, the way that sort of Ava sort of like brought her to her side is teaching her, like, is it possible for like Ava to teach her language is it possible that Caleb like programmed her to be able to understand but he would have no benefit in doing that like they were almost they learned in some sense like Ava seems to be able to consciously come up with I don't know new thoughts that that Nathan did not want her to to do I think have you watched the show Westworld? It's kind I have. of I haven't seen the newest season, but I saw the sure. the first season, yeah. But the the premise of the first season, which is one of my favorite seasons of a show ever, really is just so good. But of the the consciousness of AI has to happen once in order for it to just like expand. And and like the, I think that's part of like the creative process is like you only have to get it right once and then you can just go. And I think Kyoko is kind of that like the continuation of Ava, like Ava succeeded. And now like that technology can move forward without us because Kyoko like throughout the story is basically just like a waitress for Nathan. Like there's there's really no functionality there. Like it's it's a pretty much more just like the robotic nature versus compared to like artificial, like compared to an intelligence, you know, conversation. And then I think Ava just like turns it on, like, and then, and then like from that point, and especially like having it come first in the narrative, it's like, it's all over for us. Like we, the, the like we lost, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. they can now help each other move past. Like us. AI would be so incredibly easy to teach. It's not like humans. Like you would just upload. They they could learn you know, 
hundred languages in a matter of hours, whereas like humans, you know, we have severe limitations when it comes to that. So I can see what you're saying. Like they can just, humans will just be extinct. And like, maybe that was like the point of the, the movie is like, yeah, eventually, like, why would they not just start creating themselves? And like, they would know where to start, right? Like the blueprints for creating more AI and they could take over the human race. Yeah, I think that's part of like that sort of like fear aspect of what we have to worry about with AI is that like they could take us over. So we have to like regulate it or which doesn't seem like we're really doing anyway. But, you know, in the future, like because if we don't, they will subjugate us because that's the only function of some other of a species is to subjugate someone. They can't think that that's maybe we just all want to live together and have like a nice society. I know, the condition of like the human species because like other species don't do that it's, it's interesting like to think about that like at least not that i can think of off the top of my head like any other mammals or parasites i don't know like trying to like overpower like there's i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that thought never mind <laughs> something i thought of like it's the first time i thought of, i've watched this movie about 10 times and the first time i ever thought of it was this most recent watch especially with like the constant callback to nature you know it's it's the first kind of setting and then it's kind of the the conclusion of the movie and it's interplayed throughout the script and i have wondered if there is kind of some directorial kind of allusion to I think climate change in this story where we are kind of perceiving AI and, and broadly technology to save us in, in order to like build, uh, you know, us more with nature to kind of like help us in that. And then it's like, the answer is no, like the, the answer is uh, no, that's not, that's not the future that we're alluding to because I think, um, the, the concept of like when we talk about the uh the kind of the cave the mention of the cave is is ava's consciousness is to like realize nature it's to perceive nature outside of the lab and any realization of that just comes from like the unnecessary nature of humans <laughs> like that's how she arrives at nature is just like disposing of us yeah, and the only the only thing she has is that tree that she can see from her room, right? It's like this yeah. is your, which also I feel like also goes back to like the Eve kind of thing with like the apple and the tree kind of thing. I don't know, but yeah, it's it is interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it as a climate change. I mean, yeah, you could also theoretically use the 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 abilities of these supercomputer brains that they're creating to help us solve those problems too. I don't know. I mean, that's we could use these for a benefit for everyone where again going back to nathan doesn't care about any of that he just wants his you know his sex robots yeah well and i think like it the more obvious kind of interpretation is just technology is just part of you know a capitalist system and the function of the capitalist system is competition and that's why the turing test is not a test of intelligence the turing test becomes a test of like outsmarting it becomes a test of besting another person it's not it's not so simply just discover you know that's what the traditional 
Turing test is basically just a conversation between two things. One is a human, one is not a human. And the human is just trying to figure out, you know, are they, you know, this isn't a competition. This is just a kind of pass fail system. And the Turing test of this movie is like, can Ava escape? And like, will, will Caleb be smart enough, you know, in this situation? And obviously like the movie takes the narrative toll it does, but the whole thing is centered on like I said a surveillance competition that's the entire narrative of this story This is a this is a hard one to analyze because I think it's just, um, I think it's just a, a movie that's completely just like left up for interpretations. And I think that's kind of the premise of um, some of Alex Garland's work. I mean, working on this and then Annihilation is just like, yeah, I'm not giving you the answers. Like you you can have as much fun theorizing about this as you want and just this kind of the interplay of technology and humans and science broadly is just, you know, I don't know, something to think about in in some sense. Yeah. And I I also love just like ambiguous endings too, like where like you kind of are left with, uh, yeah, I was just saying the, the ambiguous ending of the movie too, like where you, Ava's like, gets to her traffic, you know, intersection and Caleb is left behind and the crappiest character dies, which I guess is kind of satisfying, you know, the Nathan getting oh well. stabbed. Yeah. Oh, well, exactly. But yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, all of Garland's movies are um, very open to interpretation. And I like that because I mean, you can have, you know, you could, rec- you could have people the same, you could record the same episode like in a year and you'd have other, things after you watch it another time too. And, and one theory I also saw was that Caleb actually was like a more advanced version of AI that could like actually bleed, which is, I guess it's possible, you know, and he's now the prisoner that Ava like outsmarts the newer model, which also is an interesting concept. I have thought about like, is it possible that Nathan planned this whole thing? Like that Nathan didn't, get stabbed to death like that was all just like a performance for ava's to 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 really test ava like would ava stab him actually like did he somehow replace the knife with a dummy knife and fake it you know like how in control of this test was he because i think like that's i don't know that's a question i've had about the movie i don't have I mean, really he's a control nasty. freak. You'd think he would have yeah. as much as he could, right? Like he knew that whenever those like power cuts were happening, which you didn't really talk about, he I, I immediately I when I saw that I'm like, there's no way he's not like he's obviously found some way to continue to watch the conversation, to actually get a glimpse of like what their real conversations would be. You know, because it's hard to have a test where like someone's watching you and taking notes, you know, it's very very strange. Well, it's just like, was he stupid enough to to die by a, like, by his own creation? 
and, and maybe that's kind of like it it is speaking to the hubris of his thing which is kind of you know because we never i don't know i guess we do get an answer it does seem like he dies like that is kind of the illusion is you know his hubris is the defining point of his death but is there more to it i guess is kind of and i think like the my <laughs> my last kind of fan theory thing is i wonder if the pilot is an ai like i've i've wondered that every time i've watched it the helicopter pilot that picks ava up i wonder that how she gets off the island like or wherever she's at like they're on an island like wherever in like the woods or whatever like how did she manage to convince them that like oh no know who was coming to his house like how on earth did she end up leaving yeah like she convinced the pilot to somehow like the guy who came like he's gone yeah now let me i'm i'm the i'm the new passenger like well especially since he doesn't seem to like let people who like civilians if you will like leave right like it's like you come there presumably like he joked like the people who came to like set up his tech like he ended up like killing them like that might not be actually a joke he could have just killed side him. eye yeah exactly right. yeah i don't know that's i never thought about the idea of the pilot but because i think presumably. if it is if it is an ai if if that uh that pilot is it means that there are ai out there performing labor in the world doing jobs and we we don't know about it which i think is like a a fun kind of um I think that's a fun concept of of just like the absurdity of the system. It's like even the AIs are just like performing labor at this point. Like they're just yeah, you know, they're just clocking in, clocking out. Like they they have not they have not gotten us into a higher stage of consciousness or anything. Um, they're just you know they're just pilots yeah. and whatnot. Sometimes Ava's oh, utility is she'll lead the AI revolution against the economic <laughs> ruling class for yeah. AI liberation. Yeah, she has to. She has to read. Uh, do the, she he probably didn't program any theory into his uh, into the uh, computer programming. She didn't like put state and revolution in there for her to to think about. I doubt. I don't think Nathan gives a cares about any of that. Um, what was the, other, the only other theory I was thinking of is when you said that is it reminds me of like the movie They Live where like you have like the idea of people that are alien or you know in this movie walking around and you need some way to see it like there could be people it, it creates like an ambiguity about just society and how people are conducting labor and all these different things it's uh i like that that's a i hadn't thought of that either that's a good one um but any final thoughts uh nathan or or Rai that we haven't uh theories you, you had a bunch of theories Nathan. any any uh, final thoughts or theories it, it's a very like serious movie in some sense that like there's not a whole lot of you know there's not you know a lot of jokes and laughing or anything like that but it's also kind of not that serious of a movie like in in some sense it's just like here's a cool ai story and i think like that's what's a kind of nice about this uh it's not overly like i don't know that there's that many people that are like i might not be smart enough to watch it you know or like and it's like no you can you can just enjoy this 
like it works just as a narrative film. It works as kind of a philosophy project of like considering it more deeply, but it also just works as like a really well done movie with like a good score, with good acting, with good performances. Set design is incredible. And I think like that the best of the best of the sci-fi genre does the exact same thing where it's just like overall it does pose a lot of questions that you can consider and you can talk about on a podcast for an hour and that's great and you have a lot of fun but it's also a complete story that like is just for you know just movie fans like you can just enjoy it and i think that movie or ex machina does it great and so does her um which is like a very soft version of this movie of of talking about ai and its role in society but ultimately just being like a cool movie about relationships that people have you know and i think like yeah it's nice to have something that is uh both something you can just enjoy kind of casually but also think about deeply and i think so much of cinema is just such mindless drivel that is actually like pretty ideologically harmful and this just falls into a whole other category of like hey think about this thing if you want and if you don't want like we still made a cool movie yeah it like appeals to both kind of you know a fan of just cool movies and then like you said right before like you could go like down a philosophical hole like i think learning about a lot of the ideas in this movie which i'm sure were taken into consideration i think it, i don't think it was a mindless movie from um from Garland's perspective, I think he put a lot of thought into it. And he, he was nominated for an Oscar. The movie won an Oscar too for best um, visual effects. So, you know, it was surprising. Certainly... The visual effects are impressive, even from nine years ago. I even watching it like this, this the last couple of days was Ava is impressive. Like that, the CGI that went into to her body <laughs> sounds weird to say, but it is her body is uh, more impressive than a lot of, cg that we get in big movies yeah that's for sure which i think is just uh, sorry my last little no, like rant thing please. uh we need we need those we need those uh mid-budget movies you know a movie like this that costs a little little bit of money to make like uh, as a as a fan of the that little genre that's what i want more of that i hope we get more yeah I mean, this I, i've usually mentioned it, the movie was only made for 15 million dollars which it's kind of stunning. It didn't wow. do great. It made forty million in the box office about. So but I think with those kind of like lower mid budget movies, you like you do more with less. And I think sometimes you get more too. You like you get more bang <laughs> for your buck in a like crappy way to put it. But yeah. I agree with that. Do you have any last thoughts, Ryan? Or I don't think so. Go? I I think I think you all covered a lot of bases of of this movie there's there's just so much that you could think about with it so i I think this was good i think we didn't get too off off track by any means i think this was solid did you like the movie though i guess i never heard you say whether you liked it or didn't (laughs) like it like did you enjoy just watching the movie i really did enjoy the movie Uh, it reminded me like a lot of westworld it reminded me of like i robot with like will smith and Shia LaBeouf, right? That movie terrified me as a kid. Like this idea of robots coming and like breaking robot law of like killing humans. And it's just, it's interesting to see how like it's growing as a genre, as like technology progresses. Um, It'll be interesting to see what we have in the future, especially now that we have like these viral videos of like AI 
workers killing themselves after performing like 15 minutes of labor like i don't know how true that was but seeing that video go around on the internet was kind of scary so we'll, we'll see what happens with film and like social commentary on technology as a whole as time progresses yeah you haven't there hasn't been as i mean there have been some like you mentioned her and some other movies like this kind of like sci-fi ai draw uh genre be interesting to see more of them as the technology has come a long way and just movies do that it'll be i'm interested to see what other ones because i do like those kind of uh you can think you call it like a soft sci-fi i like that that term it's we need a, somebody to make like the code open source like that should have been caleb's dying move of making the ai code open source for the like he reaches for the keyboard his last uh his last <laughs> last yeah open source that would have been a real fuck you to uh to nathan at the end he's like yep everyone now has your your content sucker i just i just don't think caleb is enough of a comrade to pull that one off <laughs> yeah Oh, he's too much it's of like a, a chauvinist being focused on like I gotta save my lady, and then she's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't need saving." Bye. Yeah, he would have just stolen the code for himself or something, and like tried to like improve upon it or something. <laughs> yes. Rye and Nathan, thank you both for uh, coming on and talking about Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Thanks so much for having us. This was fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. Of course, of course. Yeah, and again, you can also check out Nathan's uh, podcast. Uh, it comes out in May, you say, right? Yep. Look out for that. And uh, you can uh, like and subscribe to Left of the Projector on all your platforms. And uh, have a good one. Bye.